today's message is part of our Where Do We Grow From Here series, and it's called A Fruitful People. If you're a guest among us or been away for a little while, we've been uh, following this journey, asking the question, where do we grow from here? It's actually what our senior minister, Ken Benjamin, is doing this year. He is taking on the role as president of the Baptist Union. He's traveling around, visiting lots of churches and associations and groups of leaders, uh, provoking them with this question, where do we as churches grow from here? As individuals, as disciples, as churches, where do we grow from here? And it kind of presupposes, it kind of assumes the idea that God would want for us to grow as disciples of his and as churches. Now, that's not just our idea. We think we get that from Jesus himself. And uh, we're going to read John 15. Uh, Today, Abby's going to come and help me uh, to read John 15. If you want to turn there, you can follow along from us. And we're going to think about how God wants us to be a fruitful people. If you want the shortcut to the page number, it's page 1083. We're going to read the first 17 verses of John 15. I am the vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Or every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remained in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends, if you do not, if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learnt from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Great, thanks, Abby. It's really great our young people are in the service today, because this message is just as much for them as it is for everyone. I want you to turn to someone near you and say, God wants us to be fruitful. It's true. God does want us as disciples of his and as a community of disciples to be fruitful. This image of a vine is both helpful and maybe for many of you memorable. Maybe this will be familiar to you and it helps us think about how we can grow. This image of a vine that grows and produces fruit. 
It was spoken in a missional context. Jesus had been with his disciples for nearly three years, teaching them how to bear fruit, modeling how to bear fruit, showing how the kingdom comes and the kingdom grows. He's shortly going to go off, be arrested, be crucified, die, rise again, spend 40 days with his disciples, then commissioning them to go and be the ones that bear fruit, to be the ones that go and bear witness, to go and be the ones that make disciples before he ascends back to heaven. This is spoken in a missional context. He wants his disciples to bear fruit. The vine is the source of life, and its purpose is to produce fruit. Its flower might be small, but its fruit is often abundant. Often the gardener, after a vine had produced fruit, would snip back, would prune back the vine, so it would produce fruit again. This is a really helpful picture when we're thinking about how we can be fruitful as God's people. It also uses the language, the imagery of the Old Testament. Jesus often did this. It would have been familiar with his Jewish readers. He used language from the Old Testament. And the vine or the vineyard was often used to describe God's people, Israel. Psalm 80 is one of the examples where it picks up on this. It talks about Israel being transplanted from Egypt and planted in the promised land where it would flourish, where it would fill the land only in time to then be cut back because of their disobedience, because of the fact they had ignored God and his ways. I said that it's kind of taken as a given that God wants his disciples, that he wants us to grow. And there's lots of examples of that in our reading today. In verse 2, Jesus talks of his disciples and says he wants them to be even more fruitful. In verse 5, it says, you will bear much fruit. In verse 8, it says that you that you bear much fruit. It's actually a sign of them being disciples, that they're fruitful. And again, towards the end of the passage in verse 16, it says that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Jesus is the vine, the Father is the gardener, and the expectation is that the disciples will bear fruit. And as a church community, we can have the same prayerful expectation that God wants us to bear fruit for him and for his kingdom. Now, Ellen mentioned they've got cookies upstairs. Now, I don't have cookies, but I do have some fruit. Um, On a Friday evening, uh, our older youth group, Thrive, we often do snack news, and now most of the time we have things like cookies and like donuts, but about once a half a term, term, we throw in the healthy card, and uh, we bring some fruit. Uh, There's a mixture of reactions, um, particularly a few of the boys groan and, and, and some others love it. They're like, strawberries, I love strawberries. And they get to work and they devour the fruit. Now, I want to ask the question, what do we mean by fruit? And to help us ask this question, um, I've got some fruit, six different bits of fruit. I couldn't resist putting a tomato in it because tomato is a fruit. And there's a little label on it as well that says uh, what we mean by fruit. James is going to help me out with a mic. If you'd like a bit of fruit, you get to keep it. If you want to eat it during the service, you can. If it's tomato, it's a bit risky, could come all down you. But if you'd like a bit of fruit, give me a wave. All you have to do is pick a bit of fruit out, you get to keep it, and you need to read what's on it as well. Leo's going to kick us off. What are you going to go for, Leo? Go for pineapple. Okay, can you just read out what the pineapple says? <laughs> Love. Love. What do we mean by fruit? Well, in this passage, in verse 12, it talks about love being the evidence of 
the fruit. What do we mean by fruit? We mean seeing the evidence of the characteristic of love in our lives as disciples. Who else wants some fruit? Spencer's going for it. Okay, go for it. What are you going for, Spencer? Go on with the grapes from the vine. That is just one bunch. You can take the whole... The... Go for it and read it for us. People committing to Jesus. People committing to Jesus. That's kind of the language of our church aim. But if we remember, these words were spoken in a missional context. That's actually what Jesus was calling his disciples to do, to invite other people to come and commit to him in a similar way to they had. Not necessarily having understood everything. The disciples clearly didn't do that, but knowing enough to commit their lives to Jesus. Who's next? Summer. It's gone for the other grapes. What does it say? Transformation of culture. Transformation of culture. When we think about bearing fruit, we don't just need to be really narrow. Actually, it affects all of our life. God's kingdom is big and includes all. In fact, one of the references to the vine in the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 5, talks about what God's looking for, the fruit he's looking for, is actually righteousness, it's, it's social justice, it's transformation in all areas of culture. So when we think about fruit, yes, we're thinking about people committing to Jesus, but we're actually thinking more broadly about how God can be at work in and through us to bring transformation to the culture that we live in. I've got three more. Who's next? It's not just for young people, adults. If you want some fruit, then give me a wave. Great, Joe's going for it. Go on for the bananas. Might share them on the row. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. People become more like Jesus. Fruits of the Spirit. People becoming more like Jesus, which is kind of the second half of our church aim. Maybe when I asked the question, what does fruit look like? You were thinking of the fruits of the Spirit, our character of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, and self-control. When we think of fruit, fruitfulness, we're thinking of ourselves becoming more like Jesus. I've got two more. Felicity. Oh, she's gone for the tomatoes. I thought they might have been left to last. There we go. And it says... Obedience. Obedience. In today's passage, in verse 10, it talks about the mark of obedience of fruitful disciples. And we think, what does it mean to be fruitful? It means to be those that choose to obey and follow Jesus and his teaching. And who wants an apple? Maybe the easiest one to eat. Not munching too loudly during the talk, Josh. Joy. 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 The fruit that the disciples would see is that they would experience the joy of the Lord, the joy of Jesus. Thanks, James. So what do we mean when we're talking about being fruitful? We don't need to be too narrow, but we mean at least these things. We mean people committing to Jesus. That's what the disciples were charged to do, make disciples. We mean the transformation of culture, the way things are done around here in our little sphere, on our front line that we find ourselves. We mean people becoming more like Jesus, seeing evidence of the fruits of the Spirit in our lives. And in this passage in particular, it's marked by obedience, by joy, and by love. So how do we produce these fruits then? What I want to do is highlight five keys drawn from John 15 that help us to be a fruitful people. They're really simple, but they're really refreshing, and they're helpful, and they bring us back to Jesus, our saviour and leader. Here they are, uh, remaining in Jesus. We want to be fruitful. We need to be people that remain in Jesus, Jesus-focused. We need to be open to being pruned, to God's correcting and changing work in our lives. We need to be up for obeying Jesus. 
We need to be people who ask the Father, people of prayer, and we need to be people who are up for loving each other. Firstly then, people who remain in Jesus. Verse 4, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then verse 9 as well. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Remaining in Jesus. Remain comes from the Greek word meno, which means to abide in, to sit back in, to relax in, to not depart from, to not move away from. If a branch chose of its own accord to not remain in the vine, it loses its source of life and food and would wither and die. It wouldn't produce fruit. So too for us, if we want to be people that produce fruit, we remain rooted in Jesus, our life source. Sometimes it might look like we're producing fruit when really we're not rooted in Jesus. Jesus' simple words in John 15, remain in Jesus. We want to be a fruitful people, let us remain in Jesus. What does that, what does that look like for us? Maybe it looks partly like this, gathering around together, having him as the center of our worship times together, of celebrating communion, of times of prayer and worship together. What does it look like in the week for you to remain focused, attentive in Jesus? What routines, what habits, what things do you listen to, what people you with that help you to remain in Jesus? Are we in Jesus? Maybe you're here listening in, hearing of this life and fruit that we can produce. Jesus is the source of life. He's the one we put our trust in, the one who enables us to know real and true life and produce fruit. I urge you to put your trust in him, the true source of life. Key number one to being a fruitful people, remaining in Jesus. Key number two, being pruned. I didn't know what pruning was when I was 11 or 12, so just if you don't know what it is, uh, my very simple explanation of it is that branches that are cut back, that maybe aren't looking like they're producing much fruit, or maybe they still are, but in order for them to produce more fruit, they're cut back, sometimes uh, right to the kind of trunk of the tree, sometimes just a little bit closer, further down to the branch, for the purpose of them producing more fruit. Pruning to the vine is about as exciting as training is for the marathon runner. But just as training is essential for the marathon runner to succeed, so pruning is essential for the branches to produce their best fruit. Some branches can look limp and need a new lease of life. Maybe they just need a few bits trimmed back so they can produce better fruit for the next season in their lives. Others are full-on dead and need to be cut off. Some are cut up, cut off, others are cleaned up. When we're thinking about fruitfulness, we can relate this in a number of ways. When we think about our character, if we want to be fruitful, we need to be people that ask the question, Lord, what is it you need to prune in my life, in the way I do things, in the attitudes of my heart? We think about us as a church, a church wanting to be shaped for mission, to be fruitful. We ask the question, God, how are we shaped for mission? What is it that you want to snip back that we might produce more fruit? I heard a story of a 
guy who led a church uh, with his wife in Northern Ireland. And uh, they'd been invited to come and lead the church, and the church wanted to help them to be more missional. And so one of the um, quite dramatic things they did in the first six months being there uh, he said, every area of church life, um, we're going to be asking the question in six months, how is it helping lead people to Jesus? And um, if it's not, um, we're going to consider stopping that ministry. Um, it was quite drastic. They did stop quite a few things. They're now a really fruitful church, seeing loads of people come and put their faith in Jesus. But they took this pruning principle of how are we shaped for mission. And we try and ask that question regularly. It's why we're a church that try things, why we're trying to do different things, why we do alternative gatherings. As Calvin said, there's people out doing different things this morning because we're asking the question, how are we shaped for mission? How are we shaped for being fruitful? If we want to be a fruitful people as individuals in our friendships and in our wider church life, we need to be open to God's pruning, to his shaping and molding. Obeying Jesus, Mark number three. Verse 10 says, If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. You're my friends if you do what I command. We want to be fruitful. We are called to obey Jesus' instructions. I popped a tomato in the fruit bowl. Has the tomato been eaten yet? Who's got a tomato? Not been eaten yet, surprisingly. But... um, I have to say that tomato hasn't come uh, from my own garden. At the recent noise day, my kids came home uh, with some tomato plants. Uh, Now, someone tell me what you're meant to do to help a tomato to grow. Feed them. Water them. What do you say? Okay, pinched extra growth bits. Okay, all that. um, I didn't do any of it, okay? I didn't find out any of the instructions. It's just sat on a bench in my garden, haven't done anything to it, and therefore, how can I expect it to grow? And Jesus had given clear and thorough teaching to his disciples. They hadn't understood all of it, but they got enough of it to know what to obey. If they wanted to be people who grew, who produced fruit, they needed to obey the simple teaching of Jesus that they understood. They didn't need to worry about the bits they didn't quite understand, and the same's for us. There's no way I could expect a tomato to grow if I just ignored it, if I didn't look at any of the instructions. If we want to be fruitful people, we need to take serious Jesus' teaching and commit to doing our best with the help of the Holy Spirit to obey what he calls us to do, to be people who love him wholeheartedly and love those around us, to be people who are up for saying, God, on my front line this week, will you use me? Will you enable me to encourage someone? Will you enable an opportunity for me to share something about you? Will you use me? I want to obey your teaching. If we want to be a fruitful people, we need to be people that are up for obeying what we understand of Jesus' teaching. Asking the Father. Fourthly, this is the one I got most stirred and excited by uh, over the last week. In verse 7 and 15, there's this invitation to ask of God. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And verse 15 and 16, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. 
You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This invitation to ask in his name. Let's just clarify, in his name, we're pointing at the way Jesus would want things done, things according to his will, things that capture his heart, not just a wish list of our own, but in his name, capturing something of his heart and his mission and praying for those things. Sometimes we don't grow because we don't aim to grow like that tomato. Very occasionally, now don't take this as a promise, young people, but very occasionally, someone comes up to me at the tuck shop and says, Andy, can I have some Maltesers? They have any money, they just say, I just want some for free. And sometimes I say, yes, the Bible says you don't get because you don't ask. So to help you learn that lesson, here's some Maltesers. Well done for asking. And maybe it's a little bit like that sometimes, that stuff doesn't happen because we don't actually ask. We don't ask in prayer. And there's this encouragement to ask in prayer, to ask the Father that we would be fruitful, that we would go and bear fruit. This is one of the starting points that Ken's using as he's going around. He's saying, firstly, could we pray about where we grow from here? Could we pray about how God could make us, as his national church, be a fruitful people? I did a bit of uh, reading this week about what happened at the Isle of Lewis in the Hebrides in 1949, a season of fruitfulness for an island where the churches were empty and there didn't appear to be much fruit, much life. And you read about hundreds and hundreds of people in a short space of time putting their trust in Jesus, committing to him and getting baptized. A preacher was invited to come for two weeks and he stayed for two years. But you dig a little bit deeper and you hear the stories of faithful people who were praying and praying and praying. Some were leaders of churches, uh, some were healthy and mobile people in churches. But if you read a bit deeper, you read about two ladies, Peggy and Christine Smith, who were 82 and 84. And they were housebound. They hardly ever got out. And they had prayed for years and years and years. They had been asking the Father that the place they lived in, that their front line, would become a fruitful place. Now, when they prayed, they heard from God. They felt him lead them to different scriptures that shaped how they prayed. They had visions and pictures. They were people that consistently were asking the Father, can you make us fruitful? Can people commit to knowing Jesus and found the freedom that we found in him? Can our culture be changed? May your church be full of the fruits of the Spirit? People who consistently were asking the Father. If we want to be fruitful, we need to be people that individually and collectively need to be asking the Father, Lord, make us fruitful. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. And asking the Father, expecting to be let in on the Master's business, to seek the mind of Christ together, to know what he's doing. That's what we're trying to do at the moment. Many of you uh, will know we've been exploring the idea of a gathering in Bosom. And what we're trying to do collectively is to seek the mind of Christ together, not just to run off with our own plans. That's why we're trying to include everyone together and say, God, what are you doing with a group of people that could meet in Bosom, with us growing here and needing some more space? What could that look like? We're not just trying to make our own plans. We're trying to ask the Father, Father, give us wisdom. What could this 
look like. Uh, for those of you following along with that journey, we're going to meet three more times in the autumn. Um, we're really aware that that won't be something that's for everyone that lives in that area. And we're really not trying to put pressure on people that do live in that area to join in. But if that's something that excites you, you will probably be following the journey and hearing about it. It might be something that maybe you don't live in the Bosom area. Maybe particularly you're with a family and think that could be a more suitable, smaller environment uh, for you to explore what a church gathering could look like there. Together, as we consider how we can grow from here, how we can be fruitful, we want to be seeking the Father, not just with our agenda, but saying, may we know your business. We're no longer slaves. We're invited in on knowing what God is doing and being part of that. And personally, in our lives, if we want to be fruitful, what is it we're asking the Father for? What is it that he's laying on our hearts, on our front lines, where we can be fruitful for him? If we want to be fruitful, we need to be people that are asking the Father. Maybe stirred today uh, to continue or maybe to pick up again the baton of being people that regularly ask the Father where he's leading us and how we can be fruitful. As we think about this image of the vine and the vine dresser, uh, maybe it's helpful to think of a horticulturist. In broader gardening terms, a farmer will adapt his or her farming techniques according to the climate, the conditions of the soil, and the air quality. You could say God is a horticulturist. And here is the thing. We're no longer slaves. We're let in on the father's business. He shares with us what he is up to. God's on a mission, and he invites us to join in. So we're, too, trying to think through, as the climate of our culture changes, how are we being missional? How are we bearing fruit? As we think about our culture, when less people come to church on a Sunday morning regularly, and when loneliness is rife, when we long for a sense of communion, uh, community, what does it look like to produce fruit? If we've got uh, anyone else who's helpful in the medical profession, we just need someone with some help in the middle there. I think Simon's there. Um, Simon's, a, Simon's a doctor. Yeah. And finally... There is the call from Jesus to be people who love each other, to keep it simple. We want to be a fruitful people. Jesus says his command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. This is my command, love each other. Jesus keeps it simple. We want to be fruitful we need to be people who are full of love, committed to sacrificial love, not, not just thinking about romantic love. Here we're thinking about agape, sacrificial community love, putting others first, both for those in our church family and those on our front lines who we come across. I do believe, not just because I'm an optimist, but because of Jesus' words, that God wants us to be a fruitful people, that he wants to grow his kingdom through us, that that could look like more people committing to him and us together becoming more like Jesus. It could be characterized by the transformation of the culture that we find ourselves in, that we can see it evidenced in love and joy and obedience.
I'm going to put a prayer on the screen. I want to invite you to take a moment to read it, to think about it, to pray it for yourself before I lead us in that prayer together. If you've got someone near you who can't quite see it, then do offer to read it for them. Take a moment to do that. Let me lead us in this prayer together. It will have different things that will grab you. Uh, if you want to take a shot of it and pray it through in the week, uh, then feel free to do that, or I can send it to people if they want it. But God wants us to be a fruitful people. He wants his disciples to bear fruit in all different sorts of ways. And that means us as believers in Jesus. And so, Jesus, you're the source of our life, and we want to remain in you always, including every day this week. We give you permission to prune us individually and as a church community. Make us more like you. We commit again to obeying your teachers, Jesus. Your teaching, Jesus. Give us courage to live this out and empower us by your spirit. And Father, we ask that you would grow us and lead us and guide us to be the fruitful people that you've called us to be. Following your example, Jesus, we commit to loving each other as you have loved us. If you can agree with that, let's say together, Amen.